Good morning, home builders. So, just in case you're not aware, Lou's not here today. Okay, let's go ahead and read our verse together today. If you could read nice and loud with me. James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Bill. Thank you, Will. So if you don't have a lesson sheet, we do have them printed out. And I would like you to get one because I'm going to need some volunteers. I don't do a PowerPoint like Lou does. So if I could get some volunteers, I've got 20 verses, but I know we're not going to get there. So I'm going to need maybe 12, 12 people to volunteer. And if you have your um, lesson sheet, it's the, the references that are highlighted in yellow. So I need somebody, and, and please remember who you are, so I don't have to read it. I, I can read it, but I'd rather hear from you guys. Who can get John 15, 5 for me? Thank you, Tish. The next one is Revelation 3.20. Thank you, Ben. How about Psalm 119.105? Thank you. And remember who you are because I'm not writing it down. 2 Timothy 2.15. Thank you. We, we can, many of us, memorize that. Joshua 1.8. Joseph, you almost got volunteered for that. Thank you. Thank you for that. How about James 5, 16? I saw, I saw Bob first. Sandy, do you want to get the next one? I don't know. I want to get James. All right. Bob, will you switch with her? All right. So that was James 5, 16. Bob, if you can get 1 John 4, 8. Can you do that one? Um, Roger. This was a long one. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, and then 13. Okay. And then, you know, we're probably only going to get to this next level. Matthew 22, 37, 39. I got it. And Mark, if you could also stay there for the next one, which is verse 39 as well. Okay? On the next point. And then I need two more volunteers, I think. I'll try to get here. Romans 12, 9 through 10. Thank you. And then Luke 6, 27 and 28. One more. Going. Thank you, Jennifer. So please remember that. I mean, I can read it here, but I'm talking so much. I'm in sales, I talk an awful lot, and people like me when I shut up, so I, I try to shut up when I can. Lou started this message, this series last week, Practical Christian Living, and his whole topic was learning how to see things from God's perspective. I'm not going to review his whole lesson, but I do want to touch on just a few points because they were, number one, meaningful to me, and I think it does set the stage for what our goal is if you're a Christ follower and if you want to live a practical Christian life, I think this is a really great place to start. God's perspective, it's for our protection. It helps us to avoid evil. It is a means of gaining wisdom. It is God's perspective, right? It gives us an eternal perspective. It helps us to stay focused in doing right and being right. What are the benefits or what happens when we have God's perspective? We will see, this is kind of important for me, we will see the potential for good and others. There's a few more points on there, but just wanted to go back to that because that's what Lou spoke about last week. And it's imperative that we do have God's perspective when we try to live a practical Christian life. None of this is endorsed by Lou, so don't blame him for this, but most of it's coming from the Bible, so it's not my work. Yes, there are ideas in the order that I put together, 
uh, but I hope you won't listen to me, but more what God has. When I think of practical Christian living, the first thing I want to do is identify or define what is practical. There's a TV show out there called Impractical Jokers. Anybody seen that? I, I've stopped watching it because it's just so bizarre what they do. It's entertaining, but it's impractical jokers. So we're looking at the opposite of that. What is practical as far as defined? It says, according to Webster, of or concerned with the actual doing or use of something rather than a theory of I and ideas. Does that make sense to you? I call it rubber meets the road. If you're a car guy, you'll, you'll kind of resonate with that. Here's another idea. Of an idea, plan, or method likely to succeed, and this is why I think this is more appropriate, likely to succeed or be effective in real circumstances. And I think if we were to choose the practical Christian life, we would certainly have success. Why? Because it gets us out of living on our own abilities and thoughts and ideas, but focus more on what the Bible teaches. The opposite of practical could be impractical, but how about another concept? If you're not living a practical Christian life, I would suggest maybe we're living a dead Christian life. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. Yes. That's just me. I mean, you may think I'm wrong, and you're, if you think I'm wrong, that's totally fine. You can give me another idea, uh, but we only have 20 minutes left. <laughs> what is real versus theory? So many of us have an idea or a dream or a desire to live a certain life pleasing to God. But we actually have to put it, whatever that is, into action. Jesus called us to be holy. Luke talks about this often. Be ye holy or perfect as I am holy. Jonathan mentioned that even today. How does that fit in or does it fit in with living a practical Christian life? What are your thoughts? Can we live a holy life like Jesus called us to do? If so, what does that look like? Any ideas? I think it's a different core. Our natural born tendency is to be us in the middle, us defining everything, us protecting ourselves, our agendas, judging everyone by ourselves. But when we cast ourselves on Christ's mercy, he gives us the Holy Spirit, which is to increasingly become our core. Mm -hmm. And the Bible talks about sowing to the Spirit. So reading the Word of God, which is the Spirit in written form, and um, yielding to him and taking our thoughts and running it by him. So for me, reading scripture is not just to check it off a list. It's it's hearing the heart of God, uh, what he chose to say, and then where my own thoughts are not the same, I know I'm the one that has to change. Yeah. And so letting the Holy Spirit constantly be uh, transforming me by changing my mind about lots of stuff, yeah. showing me stuff I didn't know, that it's, it's, it's the core, I think, that uh, that we sow to that actually makes it looking increasingly like Christ or staying the same. Yep. I think you said that very well. And, and if you look at the notes, 
I made a point that said, that said again, my idea, or not my idea, it comes from the Bible, but it makes sense to me. I think it means we should work on being and not just doing. There's a difference. If I'm doing, it, it sometimes becomes a little bit like you said, checking it off a list. No, it's, I mean, Jonathan read that even today. But be ye doers of the word. And we're going to read, somebody's going to read it here in a moment. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. So I'm not refuting that. I think that's absolutely accurate. But I also think it's important. If, if we are focusing only on doing, we need to also be focusing on being. Because if I am being, if I am a spirit-filled Christian, if I've got the Holy Spirit empowered in me, it's not just going to be doing these certain things. I'm going to be that person. And I think that's a huge thing. Here, here are just some ideas from my thinking. If we condense it down to manageable things, what are the kinds of things that we're going to focus on? And this is not an exhaustive list. We're probably only going to get to a few of those points. But what I anticipate is Lou is going to get into some of this, some of these points and more, but he's going to dig deeper into it and he's going to do what I can't do, which is so much. But one thing is he's going to help us understand the hows of what we do with these kind of things. My first point a relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I was deliberate in putting the Trinity there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned a real relationship. I first had meaningful relationship, but there wasn't enough room on the paper to fit when I printed it, so I had to choose a smaller word. A meaningful relationship. First of all, it means we have to be a believer, a Christ follower, before this would have, We can't live a practical Christian life if we are not a true believer. So that's the first thing, but relationship is so much more than that. Let me give you four or five scenarios briefly. When Julie and I were first married, I would golf, I don't know, not quite once a week, less than that, but there was just a, a cow pasture of a golf course not far from us, and I found myself, as often was the case, in the water, near the water. This, this, particular, day, <laughs> this particular day, I came to the water and looking for my ball, what did I find but a little tiny turtle, okay? Not just one, not just two, but three. So my golf day ended early that day because I caught those little guys and brought them home. They were my pets, our pets. One of them was named Max, because he was the bigger one. Then there's Mulligan, because I found him on a golf course. And then there's Harry. Harry had some kind of fungus growing on his shelf, so we called him Harry. <laughs> These little guys were so entertaining. I, I really enjoyed them. We had a, she's probably telling the story, we had a couch that she hated, I loved. I bought it from my workplace, and it was a leather lookalike, so that means it was plastic, but the base of it, it had a, a base about six inches tall that was clear plexiglass. It was a real modern. I would put them under there and let them run around and have races and that sort of thing. <laughs> These are my turtles. I enjoyed my turtles. I took care of them. We took care of them. Julie took care of them too. I even went to Florida with those turtles. I was flying on a vacation and I put them in a shoebox and carried them on the plane with me and took them down to Florida to take care of them. Those were my turtles. I had a relationship with those turtles. Next pet, not next one, but the one I'm going to talk about, we had a dog, a Boston Terrier. Her name was Pugsley. Cute little thing. Adorable, ugly little face. And it got worse when we broke its ears and they were kind of floppy. I loved that dog, but that dog was a purebred. And it liked things her way. 
Any of you guys ever had a purebred that was like that? I'm the only one. Okay, there's a few takers. Contrast that to a mutt. My experience with mutts, man, they just want to be happy. So go to the next pet. We currently have a dog named Remy. Remy's a mutt. He's a wonderful little mutt. I love that guy. And I think he loves me. I really like him. I think he really likes me. Um, so much so, I take him with, to my other property when I cut the grass. And he's there with me the whole time and I, I tie him up because he's a runner. Um, long story short, one, one day I was cutting grass until it got dark and I looked at him and he was still, I could still see his silhouette. And so I cut 15 more minutes and then it got really dark and I drive up to load my mower and take it home. And Remy's gone. I love that dog. We live, I mean, the, the property is out in Evington. You've got 20, Highway 24 not too far away. Remy doesn't know all the dangers. I know the dangers. I didn't know what to do. I packed everything up and I stayed there for an hour. It's not 10 o'clock at night. I heard coyotes. Um, I heard cars going by. I knew all the dangers. I love Remy. I didn't know what else to do, so I go home. It's a half hour drive. I get stuff so I can camp out. I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna build a bonfire, I'm gonna hang out because we live a half hour from that property. Remy's not gonna know where to go, right? I really love this dog, and he's a great dog. Long story short, I get back there and, and I pray to God, God, please let me get him home. We just lost two brand dogs. And it's, if you're an animal lover, it's tough when dogs have been part of your life. I didn't want to lose my dog. I mean, it's bad enough losing grand dogs. So I pray, God, let me, let me get Remy home tonight with no injury. I drive back to the property. I set up shop. I'm getting ready to light the fire so I can hang out so he can have a place to come home. And all of a sudden, I hear Remy. He's just yelling. I am so relieved. I start walking through the woods. I realize he's farther away. I then got my truck, drove to the other road, and I was able to come to Remy and catch him and find him and bring him home. That was a wonderful answer to prayer. Here's the scenario. Relationships. I had a relationship with my turtles, but turtles aren't that affectionate. They're cute when they're little, right? So that relationship was little because mostly it's me doing something for them and they're cute to look at, but that was about it. Pugsley, she's a dog. Uh, I loved her, but sometimes I didn't like her. Um, sorry to say that. She loved our family, and, she, and Julie will tell you, she would know when one of the kids was going through some, a tough day and she would choose that child to go sleep with. So she had some redeeming qualities. But sometimes I didn't like her. Remy, I just love Remy. He's easy to love because he shows me love back. I think he really likes me. Does he love me? I don't know. Now, let me, let me up it a notch. Julie and I have a relationship. Wow, time's going by so fast. We've been married 30... Four years, maybe? And I didn't prepare that part ahead of time. That's such a, me and Remy are right here. Man, me and Julie are so much different. Let me contrast that more. The relationship with God. Wow. Jesus. Let's, let's say Jesus because Jesus is more of a physical being that we can relate to, right? The Bible describes our relationship with Jesus as the bride and the bridegroom. And Julie and I have been together 34 years, three years dating before that. She is my world. I hope I'm her world too. But what about the relationship with God? It should be even 
more than that, certainly more than me and Remy. Don't even need to bring up Pugsley and the Turtles, because that's totally different. But relationship, if I'm going to live a practical Christian life, relationship is important. Who's got John 15, 5? Isn't that a good picture of what that relationship should be? He is the vine, we are the branches. Did I say that backwards? No. Okay. So that's an intimate relationship. There's a movie that Julie and I watched. I'm more of a movie person than she is. I like it. It's called Night and Day with Tom Cruise. Anybody seen that one? Yeah. There's a scene in that movie where Tom Cruise says, with me, without me. You know that part? With me, without me. Here's my scenario. With God, we can do all things. Without Him, I can do nothing. With God, we will have fruit. Without God, there's nothing. Wouldn't that be a great way for us to live? Is with that power of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus Christ. Anybody seen the movie or read the book, The Shack? I love that book. And surprisingly enough, I love the movie. I thought the movie did a good job with the book. Now, I know there's some controversy, and please, if you don't like it, that's fine, but this is my only point. I thought the movie did a wonderful job developing the relationship between God and me, between Jesus and me, and the Holy Spirit in me. And they did an even better job, I thought, the relationship of God the Father to the Son to the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that was so meaningful to me is the character of Jesus. Man, he, I really felt like he loved me personally, that guy. He depicted in my mind the idea of Jesus. So when I bring up the Trinity, man, there's so much to take in about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Relationship is critical. Who's got Revelation 3.20? I do. Go ahead. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. So what about that relationship? This, the point of this is that this isn't just a relationship that we force ourselves onto God. It's the opposite. God, the creator of the universe, is seeking us. He's standing at our heart's door knocking. Will we let him in? So it's not just salvation, but man, it's the relationship. And I'm almost out of time, unbelievably. Let me jump down. I'm sorry if you've got verses that we didn't get to. Um, I'm just going to touch on these two points real quick. The, significant, the significance of, the, of investing time in God's word and prayer. We've got verses here, and we have no time to read them. But I think we all know, and you said it well in, in, in your comments, for there to be a meaningful relationship, we've got to invest time and value to that. Um, don't have time to develop that thought anymore, but move on down. Love, and this is probably where we're going to get, unfortunately. Is there a greater way to show value other than love? Or is love the ultimate showing of value? I, I think it is the ultimate show of value. We're commanded to love. That's a broad commandment. And it, there's different kinds of love. There's agape love, which is what we would have focused on if we'd had more time. There is phileo love, which is brotherly love. What's the third one? I didn't have it in my notes. 
Eros, erotic love type love. That's more of a physical love. If we are going to be a practical follower of Jesus, love needs to be the primary thing in our life. Loving God, because that's, I mean, Jonathan was, was in his message today. Greatest commandment, love God. The second is like it, love others. There's also a concept of loving your enemies. Our men's group talked about that. It's in our book. That's a huge thing, and man, that's almost impossible to do. There's a difference between that kind of love. That kind of love is more of a intellectual will. I'm choosing to love a person. There's no emotion, you know, because the person who's your enemy, you may dislike them. I'm not, you may hate them, but we're still commanded as believers to love our enemies, and there's plenty of examples in the Bible for that. Man, we're out of time, and I told you I'd let you out early. Five minutes, so let me wrap up in two minutes. One more point I wanted to bring out. He's got the Ephesians reference. That, that is one I wanted, or maybe I didn't give that one out. Um, sorry. No, that's, sorry. Give me just one moment, because I'm having all right. I didn't give it to anybody, so it, it was for me, sorry. So you're going to be excited to read your part, but it's Ephesians 2, verses 3 and 7. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only at his own interests, but also the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself. Think about that for a moment. If there's ever a being who existed who could take on equality with God, it certainly would have been Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't even do that. What does it say about Jesus? He emptied himself. If we're going to be a practical follower of Jesus, we have to empty ourselves and let Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, work through us. And there's so much more information we can cover. But, you know, I think, evaluate these thoughts. Lou is certainly going to develop this and a whole lot more. But relationship, we need to have that with God, with others. Um, we need to make sure we put the interests of others ahead of our own. And, that for me, I'm, and all of this stuff isn't directed to anybody here but me. These are my weaknesses, the things that I struggle with. I'm just going to wrap up, go to the close, just because it's the conclusion. What happens when I fail? Because we're going to fail. My opinion, self-evaluate can be a healthy thing. Be aware, don't let Satan take that, right, and tell you you're nothing. Because what does Luke teach? What does the Bible say? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But self-evaluation is a good thing. I do that when I cut grass. I, I evaluate my actions for the week. What do I need to ask forgiveness for and apologize for? What do I need to do differently than I did? Because I do mess up. Ask forgiveness. Seek a path for correction. So we need to analyze what we've done, what, how we've blown it. Choose a different way and then move forward again. That's just my opinion. There, there can be five other points to that if you want. <laughs> Last thing, conclusion. Know yourself, know my weaknesses, know what we're good at, know what we're bad at, and let God work in all of those ways. Know your situation. I know, and men's group talk, has talked about it before, when I'm tired, 
man, that's when I'm weakest. And that's when I act more in the flesh instead of in the spirit. I've got to know those things. Here's the positive side. Know your situation. I'm a child of God. With me, can do all things. Without me, nothing. Become an applications expert. When I first started my career, I was a, an applications engineer. I would travel around. I would install equipment, and I would train people how to use it. I would do demonstrations and that sort of thing. I was an applications engineer. From there, I went into sales. And for the last, let me see, 26 years, I've been talking about that. Here's, here's my encouragement to you. When I was an applications engineer, I could talk about it, and I could also do it. I could apply what I knew and what I learned in a real scenario. Now I'm in sales for 25 years. Now I just talk about it. Not a bad thing, but it's not my job to also do it. Let me encourage you. Be such a believer that it just flows from you. You're talking. We do need to talk about it. We need to share our faith. But we need to apply all these things that we learn. Become an application expert. Within your gifts and interests. That's it. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we thank you for choosing us. You've desired a relationship from us that we can't explain and understand, but we're grateful. Father, if we're going to live the Christian life practically, I pray that you would give us the tools, the awareness, the desire to please you in all that we do. Father, as we go through the week, may we be reminded of your blessings upon us, and may we, we do our best to live a life that's appealing to others so they will wonder what is the hope that we have? Why are we different? If, in fact, we're different. And we'll thank you for that ability. In Jesus' name, amen.